Welcome in the AO Recruiting Power 5 podcast and where we ask all of our guests five questions. And tonight I'm excited to have on Nick Mobley. He's a personal friend. Um, I was I got to know him when I was his team chaplain. And so I'm excited to hear his story and kind of catch up with him. Nick, we're so glad to have you on tonight, man. It's, it's an extreme honor to be on. It's been a while since we've seen each other, so I can't wait to catch up. Absolutely. Well, Nick, you were started out at Thompson High School, and many of our followers and viewers are going to recognize that name, Thompson. But you were there, and when you started at Thompson as a freshman, um, the name recognition was not there. There were some changes that happened during your high school career there. So tell us a little bit about playing at Thompson and all the things that happened while you were there. Definitely. Um, as you said, um, while I was there, um, Thompson was definitely like the laughing stock. And it was some tough years. Um, it was, you know, you're going around and like, oh, yeah, I'm from Thompson. You play football, you get some a few giggles and laughs here and there. The most uh, tough, the toughest year for uh, for the whole program was when we went 0-10 my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, Coach Freeman came in, um, who's currently there, you know, one of the bunch of championships when I was there my junior and senior year we went five and five two years uh you know then I leave he uh wants to win all those rings on a serious note it, it was an honor to play for him two years I'm really excited to see what he's done with the program what he's still doing with the program and uh we, you know all those rings byproduct of all the hard work that he's mm-hmm. put himself and his staff and players to me Nick the thing I'll say about you is even when the years were lean even when the years were tough uh, I remember um, as a team chaplain, I, I just hung out on the sideline during the games. But uh, I was like, who's this freshman kid? Like, he's running around, hitting everybody, making plays. And uh, I remember you being out there. I remember you as a sophomore. And the thing I knew about you and and uh, whether it was the first game of the season, last game of the season, man, the team could count on you to bring it every play, every snap, every game. And that was the thing that always stood out to me about you. Um, and uh, I've always appreciated that about you. Definitely. Um, the standard I hold myself to is like, no matter what's your environment, what's your situation, that you have to live with a certain level of excellence. Um, and the level of excellence raises every day just to progress. And you, mm-hmm. if if you're good, was good enough for that day, there's a better look waiting for you tomorrow. And um, I just feel like, especially now, um, and as it was, I was in high school, that if you, if you strive to be your best, no matter what environment you're in, you will rise to the top no matter where you're at. Yeah, and I, I think as fellow Christ followers, we have this big word for that. It's called sanctification, right? It, it's where we we are progressively becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Right. And and we're just called to a, to a standard of excellence in all areas of our life, whether it's football or school or a career or you know marriage. Uh, being dads. And so that that's just that process of sanctification that's going on. And as your team chaplain, I know that about you. So uh, I, I can bring it up. You played hard. You put good film out there. But share a little bit about what your recruiting process was like and how you ended up at, at South Alabama, um, because I think your story is a little bit different than than a lot of other guys in their recruiting process. Definitely. Um, I was 7-8 defensive player of the year, and that gave me a big head. I was thinking, I'm definitely going to get some offers. Uh, I had a great season. And then um, 
the offers didn't come. The most, uh, the highest offer I got was an NAIA, and, and I was getting D3 offers. Um, so recruiting, that recruiting period was definitely a little tough for me just because I thought um, I was going to be more successful in terms of getting offers. Um, I got a lot of, um, you're too short, you're, you're too slow, not fast enough, not strong enough. And just the different things that people try to weigh the um, the metrics, but they they didn't believe what was on film could transfer over to the next level. Uh, they also take into account the hard aspect, the, the willpower, the um, determination. So this with, with with college recruiting is sometimes it becomes a big pony show. Sometimes it's like who has the most, you know, um, who looks the best, who has the uh, best looking uh, plays, not who is pound for pound the best player. Um, even though, again, there were definitely some really talented players out there. It was humbling, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me that I walked on in South Alabama. And one thing that's very frustrating is many times when college coaches are watching film, they don't have an understanding of the level of competition. And when, you know, when your film was turned on, you're playing against Hoover, you're playing against Hewitt Trustful, you're playing against, you know, Tuscaloosa County, you're playing against uh, Oak Mountain, Vestavia. I mean, those are just continual powerhouse programs that that division, our area, region, whatever it's called, is, is so difficult that you literally play against multiple uh, Division One athletes with offers every week. That's one thing that just drives me crazy sometimes about the recruiting process is that, you know, a, a guy may, like you said, have some better measurables, but they're playing one A ball, and all my one A guys don't get mad at me. I'm I'm not knocking playing one A football. That's just where you're growing up, and that's what you got to do. Nobody can tell me that playing in 1A is the same as playing against 7A competition week in and week out. And you did that, and you were the 7A Defensive Player of the Year. And so, I, yeah, you had every right to be frustrated in that process. Yeah. Like I said, I would say, no, I wouldn't. But like I said, I was. If it's, you know, college coaches, their job, again, to evaluate talent. And, again, sometimes it becomes a thing of, I'm not going to touch them until somebody else touches them. Um, or if I, if I need, like, again, I need like a reason to, uh, to justify my actions. I think sometimes um, there needs to be a higher level of evaluation, a higher level of scouting than just, I'm going to wait till somebody else gets them. You know, you see here and there, like some uh, players, teams take a chance on them, but when you, but when you look at their film or when you uh, look at their, like what they've done, it's like, it really wasn't, they didn't take a chance on this person. They did their homework and they execute their job at a high level. So I think college coaching, more in particular college recruiting, the skill of recruiting definitely needs to take a step forward because if you have to wait on somebody, somebody else in the profession to take a chance on somebody, what does that say about your skill set? And again, I'm not bashing college coaches, but there should be a high low, a high standard of if they can play, they can play. If they can't, they can't. Um, your ability to uh, judge somebody they can play should be based off another uh, coach, another team. Well, and the thing I'll say is this, is like make an offer, trust what you see on film, and and go with it. You know, kind of as you talk about the 
college process and you, you got recruited, you went to South Alabama, your walk on there. Tell us about the jump from college or from high school to college, what that was like and, and what was the toughest thing about that? Definitely. Um, the, I said the hardest thing for me that was um, just being thrown into a new environment because, you know, you used to live with your parents. You used to, um, you know, you're going to go to the school parking lot. You know, your classes are all set up. You can go to all your classes every day. Then you get to college, you know, some days you have class, some days you don't. You have to make sure you uh, you eat. You got to make sure you go to practice, make sure you study. Nobody's going to really hold your hand. Um, if you miss like a advising appointment or, you know, if you want to study hall hours or if you want to hit um, office hours with the teacher, that's really all on you. You know, you get little guidance here and there from uh, um, different resources on campus. But if you want to be successful, it's on you. Mm-hmm. And of course, you, know, you can do that in high school. But the level of independence that you got to um, integrate into it in college is definitely a big step that everybody has to take no matter where you're from. That's a great answer. I think most of the guys need to understand it's not just football that you're going to have to adjust to. It's going to be life in general, all of it. <laughs> Definitely. I know people would say, like, I got to go to this school because of football. And it's like, I would tell a recruit beyond the football, go somewhere. First, go somewhere that you like. If you if you didn't play football and you wanted to live there, you would like you would you would that be your first place to live. Because you more than anything, before you go to practice, before you even go to classes, you got to live there. Mm-hmm. Then you got to think about the academics. Only a, a, a small certain group, small portion of people go to the NFL. And we 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 hype these people up. We gas these kids to to go for the NFL. And when they don't make it, they're like, it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you now. And mm-hmm. and the real understanding is that if you look in, if you get look at human history. Rome now before Rome, um, time of Jesus, like time of Jesus, you see that the most influential people on this earth were not athletes. Mm-hmm. People get caught up in like, oh, I gotta be an athlete. The people that most people that changed the world, they weren't athletes. They were engineers. They were politicians. They were teachers. Um, they, they were activists. And and we we put so much weight towards catching the ball or hitting the ball or shooting the ball that. We forget what really changes the world is the people who who put it a uh, 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 impact on the world, on its people, not just playing on it. It's a sports is a route to do great things, but it's not the be all end all. Like when I got on campus, I was an engineer. Again, there's sometimes I miss class, I miss practice. Um, sometimes I'll go to like not sometimes, all the time I go to class, dead tired, stay up to like 12, wake up for more workouts. And a lot of times people just get caught in football, but Again, if if football ended, what would your life be? Because some 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 point people were rely on a game to make them happy, and when they realize they get there, it's like, well, this is not what fulfills me. You relied on a, a kid's game that that pays a king's ransom to make you happy, and you you're surprised that it doesn't because that can't fulfill your soul. And at a certain point, your body's gonna give up on you, so it can't fulfill your uh physical needs in that way either but if you have a healthy relationship with football understand that the business of it and the just the nature of the sport is going to use you that you can use it to have as much fun as you can on the field like it's a really fun game it's a crazy fun game you can use it to pay your education um i was a walk-on 
like I have, I still have, I have a little bit of student loan debt. Like understanding, like there's some people who have built up student loan debt that they're still paying it. Mm-hmm. Um, you understand perspective of some people have like a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Some people like are not going to class because they have a whole scholarship paid for. But some people are are crying at night thinking if I could only get um, some money to go to school, I could change not only my life but my family's life. And we get a full perspective of you can really. And college is not the only way that you can go there. You can be great in other ways than college, but it's a route. And again, if you're going to get free education, you can mm-hmm. use it as a catalyst to propel your whole um, future forward. Not only the future of you, but future of your family. Um, this was really big for me. Um, when I uh, got my scholarship, I earned a scholarship uh, about a year and a half of me being on team. And my parents were able to renovate the house. And mm-hmm. that was, he was like thinking, oh, you know, you made on tackles and you, you great, great football career. And it's like one of the most proudest parts of my college career off field and on the field was the fact that my parents could renovate the house because they didn't have to worry about paying for my school. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, that's incredible, Nick. Your time at South, you get the scholarship, you, you use that to really, you know, for your parents to remodel their house. And, and man, what an incredible testimony to your family, to you as a player. And it kind of leads me to something that we talked about leading up to our meeting um, in this interview, is that one of the things that was important to you was to, to kind of bring out, you know, your legacy and what that looks like as a player. Um, you know, you play in high school ball, play in college ball. Uh, in a time where I think so often players aren't thinking about that. It's all about how much NIL money can I make? It's all about where do I transfer to get on the field the fastest? And really, man, sometimes it's just stick it out and leave a legacy. So tell us about what you're doing and and what you did and how important that is to you. Definitely. So ending in my career South, I actually got hurt. Um, I hurt. Well, I hurt my neck. But in truth, uh, I played my whole uh, high school career, um, my whole college career with a hurt, with a um, injured uh, spinal uh, injury. Um, I had a hip injury through my high school and college career. I played through those injuries my whole, both careers, um, high school and collegiate. Fast forward into um, the end of my career at South, uh, they said my neck was too messed up, so I had to retire. And it was awesome. It was a sad ending, but looking at everything I did, I played three seasons. I was with three seasons while I was playing. I was top 10 in tackles. Um, I was all conference. I was an honorable mention. And again, like I had all those different accolades, but what's more, more big than that, what was huge in, in my opinion was um, even though I did that, like I was able to impact lives on the football field, off the football field. Again, it's um, a lot of things that they saw, like, man, you're doing great things. It's a byproduct about, it's a byproduct of what God was doing inside of me. Um, I I um, was leading the student-led ministry on campus called RANSOM. It's an acronym, so it's radical. Uh, <laughs> Athlete and Student Oasis Ministries. I was a student leader um, while I was playing and doing engineering. Um, I got two uh, mentees here. Um, from the ministry right now. Now I've graduated. Um, I, I oversee the uh, ministry. 
Um, there's a man named Jeremy Towns. Um, he came down here. He played in the NFL. He was a uh, started Sanford. He came down here for med school. Uh, after he got done with the NFL, he uh, mentored me. He started Ransom at Sanford. He started one down here. He took me under his wing. Um, he went back up to uh, Birmingham to be a big doctor. Uh, he's doing big things up there. And we got Ransom up there, too. And it's it's been an honor uh, just to serve the students. It's been an honor just to um, to serve the kingdom. Um, there's another organization called uh, Modern Day Fitness, uh, MDF. It's ran by Otis Leverett. Um, I was trained. It's a it's a tr uh, training program, but it's a whole mentorship program. Um, I was in it while I was in high school, and I'm still part of it now. Um, and one of my friends asked me, he's like, uh, "What's more important to you? What was more what was more uh, instrumental to making who into making you?" Uh, ransom or MDF, and I, and I told him, "What's what's more important when you run? Your your left leg or your right leg?" I realized it, it, everything that was happening wasn't a competition. It's kind of like how in the scripture said, "You know, you run a good race, and the race doesn't stop until I'm I'm dead. I'm in the ground because God's is doing. And he's continuing to do amazing things to me. He won't stop until I'm in, I'm in the ground. And it's been an amazing legacy to understand that there were some L's I took." For following God, there are some L's I took for um, trying to be a trailblazer, and it's that's the real thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's fun to be a follower when everybody's saying, um, you know, singing hymns, everybody's putting their hands up in worship, you know, everything. That's nice, but what's a real test of a follower is when you have something to lose, or or when it comes to your detriment, or when you look like a fool. It's like, are you are you are you a real follower or when the benefits run out, does your faith run out too? Mm. And it's been an amazing journey for me, again, both from those, both those organizations, because um, you would think like, oh, you've been mentoring and pouring into people, but just as the leader pours in, it's, it's really in a way selfish because as they poured into me, they helped raise me. It takes, how they say, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a leader too. And um, I've grown so much and I'm I'm so big on legacy. Like I'm just 24, but every everything I everything I'm thinking of is based off of a uh, legacy, because at some point you won't get mad about certain things. You weren't you won't get frustrated about certain things. You won't stay late, late up night about certain things. If you understand that is this the is this the end product that God wants me um, to be at? Is this is this the. Um, is this the place that God's leading me to? Or is this the person that God wants me to walk with? But if those things don't add up, it's like I don't have to spend energy or waste energy that's not um, taking me to a heavenly appointment. Because um, everything else, is it's just going to slow you down. And a lot of times we miss our blessings or we delay our blessings because we're too busy looking out the window and God's saying, if you just stick on straight, straight and narrow, you will fix, you will change so many people. And again, a byproduct of you changing people is God will change you. You know, I think so often, Nick, the one thing that really stands out to me and, you know, as somebody who's 39 and I've done ministry and done a lot of different things in ministry, try big things, try to do big things. And, and for those that are Christians, try to do big things for the kingdom of God. Here's the, the thing I'll say, and, and I've tried ministry things and failed. And I've tried ministry things and quit. 
and I've tried ministry things and they've been successful. But the things I regret the most in my life are the times I quit, not when I failed. The things I have the biggest regrets for and that kind of hang over me the most are the times I gave up. And most of the time, actually 100% of the time, it was because I got in the way and I quit letting God do the work. The, the head coach, Coach Womack, uh, he's coach of South Alabama right now. He helped me get an internship at a place called Hargrove, and I'm working as a structural engineer there right now. Um, I'm still helping out with the team for South right now. And um, this has always been my statement, and it aligns with everything I'm doing right now in terms of engineering, um, ministry, and helping coach. Um, I always ask God, may I build cities and the people in them? And I said that statement in high school, and it just shows you how faithful God is. Even when I wasn't faithful, he he was faithful to, to, to fulfill every part of that prayer. And he's adding more on to it. The only way I can, can lift you up is if I stand up. So if we're all going up, the sky's the limit. And not even the sky's the limit. Where God takes us is the limit. And I can't wait to get to the end of that. Because like I said, by that time, they got they got to be putting dirt on the grave. Yeah. But it didn't matter about the destination. It was just about following the great God. Well, Nick, I don't think you can end it any better, buddy. And I'll say, man, I'm so proud of you and I'm proud of what you're doing. Continue to let the Lord work through you. Stay in touch. We'll stay connected. I think a lot of what we're going to do is going to kind of cross paths in, in the future anyway. And, uh, man, it's been such a blessing to have you on, to see what God is doing through you, to connect with you. And uh, we'll be praying for you, buddy. Yes, sir. It's an honor to see you, talk to you. It's been a while, Mr. Green. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, this is such an honor and privilege to have chances to be on the podcast. Yeah. AL Recruiting, if you didn't believe it, this is the place to be. <laughs> hey, I'll I got to tag that, buddy. So, well, man, I appreciate you. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the like, subscribe. And uh, we got some other guys going to show up. They're going to say, hey, how's it going, guys? And girls. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Thanks so much, Nick. Y'all have a great night. And God bless everyone.